Advent is a journey. <clears throat> it's a journey that we're all on, a journey that we take together and journey. And uh, when I was young, do you remember when you were in primary school, you used to sing songs and they've stuck with you forever? And some of them in a good way, some of them in a bad way. Um, my worst one, people will know, was uh, One More Step Along the World I Go. Uh, we used to sing it almost every day, and every time we sing it now, we don't sing it here that often at all, actually, but it just causes me pain and suffering. But another song that I used to sing was a song that went, and I can't remember the exact words, but the journey of life may be easy, may be hard, there be dangers on the way. With Christ at my side, I'll do battle as I ride against the foe who would lead me astray. Will you ride, ride, ride with the king of kings? Will you? Yeah, okay, fine. <coughs> The point I want to make is, is that first line, the journey of life may be easy, may be hard. Oh, it's not maybe easy, may be hard. The journey of life is hard. It's sometimes easy. It's sometimes wonderful. But it's also sometimes difficult, painful, challenging. There's no may about it. That's just the reality of what we go through. And as we look through the Bible, we can see lots of different times in the Bible where there are journeys that are made that seem to be difficult, hard. And I kind of reflected on why, why is it that in the Bible we only see the difficult, hard journeys? And I thought, well, actually, if we think back on our own lives, we don't necessarily remember the easy journeys, do we? Because we didn't learn anything about them. You know, I travel every so often five hours over to Michelle's parents. I don't remember the good journeys. I remember the journeys where it's taken us eight hours to get there, where the children have been screaming in the background, are we nearly there yet? And me wanting to go, no. Uh, me wanting to turn the car around and come home at times, but that's a different reason anyway. Um, we don't remember the easy journeys. It's sometimes the difficult journeys we remember. I remember journeys I've taken in the car. I don't remember the journey where I used to go back and forth to work, but I remember the journey when we were in Spain and we were driving what seemed like the edge of a, a cliff. I remember the journey when it was January, February, and there was a huge snowstorm, and we had to drive from Bristol to Gatwick Airport. And the journey that that was, I remember the difficult journeys because, because they teach me something. They help me know something more about who I am, who God is, and just about how the world works. I want to talk about three journeys today as we go on this journey to Advent. I want us to think, first of all, of the journey that Christ made, that Christ made from heaven to earth. The journey that Mary and Joseph took as they went to Bethlehem to have the birth of Jesus and also the journey that we take. But let's think of Christ to start with. As Jeff pointed out in that reading today, we know that in the beginning was the Word, was the Son of God, was Christ. In the beginning, there at the beginning of time and creation, as the heavens and earth was formed, God was in the beginning. And we can kind of think, but that means that journey of God coming to earth, Emmanuel, God with us, 
That was a long time in preparation, wasn't it? From the beginning of time, salvation. Emmanuel, God with us, was not a backup plan. From the beginning of time, this journey that God would make in the form of human was there. And even at the end of the reading, it talks about Moses. And almost there, there's still the anticipation, the longing, the waiting for the Messiah to come in the Old Testament. This was not a quick journey. And, and we read in our passage today from John, I think John, I think the beginning of John is a beautiful bit of writing, let alone scripture. But it's deep, it's powerful, it's poetic. It's one of the deepest bits of scriptures because the deeper you go, the more and more you understand of God. But there's a bit that says darkness has not overcome, has not understood the plan that God has. This plan has been forming from the beginning of time and even the darkness could not understand it. I think it almost kind of, for me, I've been just reflecting on this. It's almost as if to say, Darkness can only deal with the ordinary things of life. The things we expect, the things we imagine will happen. But light can deal with the extraordinary. It's almost as if the darkness says, well, that won't happen because it can't happen. This is the pattern of how life, how God works. And light goes, but actually, there's a bigger plan. Darkness cannot understand it because it's extraordinary. God coming here as one of us. We also read of a messenger, of John, who prepared the way. And if you come to the churches together service tonight, I'm sure we will sing the national anthem of Baptists everywhere, which is on Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry. Um, if you don't know the song, that meant nothing to you. But John the Baptist comes and prepares the way. He's a messenger that says to the world, that points them to the way. It's not me. Don't look at me. I'm not the one, but there is one coming who is greater than I. There's one coming whose coming has been planned since the dawn of creation. That is coming. And he is greater. And he is not darkness because the darkness cannot understand it. He is light. But have we ever thought of what that journey meant for Christ? question was asked to me after a couple of Sundays ago. Does God feel pain? And I want to say on one hand, not in the way that we understand it, but God knows our pain. God knows our hurt, our angst, our difficulty, our suffering. On the cross, Jesus bore our sin, our guilt, the things that stop us, and pain is part of that. But have we thought of what it meant for Christ to come to earth? From the glory of heaven to the shame of a cattle stall. And actually, when we say cattle stall, what do we mean? Well, we actually mean the bedroom, the toilet, the sleeping place of the animal. The glory of heaven to the shame of a stable. From the fullness of God the Bible says that he emptied himself. You've got to be careful. Some would accuse the him and can it be of being slightly heretical. He emptied himself 
was still fully God, that emptied himself of all that heaven and was here as one of us. He gave up, in a sense, in his inheritance. Yes, we can say he went back. But he gave up the security of being seated at the right hand of the Father. He gave that all up. And he came to earth, born in a cattle toilet, died on a cross. We know the story, how it goes on. But have we ever thought about what that journey meant? That we can say, yes, it's wonderful that God gave his son and how wonderful that is. But have we ever thought about what that cost entailed to the community of God, the Godhead three in one? The pain, the suffering, the shame. It's huge, isn't it? It's huge, and as we think of our journey through Advent, the journey that God made was huge in order to be Emmanuel, God with us. What about the journey that Mary and Joseph took? Again, we could almost say that actually this was part of God's plan a long time before. This evening, uh, several of us will be reading different passages of, from Isaiah and the prophecies that were made. This is all, again, part of salvation's plan. And again, it is unusual, it is unexpected, and therefore darkness cannot understand it. There was a messenger that came to tell Mary, we're going to look at that more uh, in the coming weeks, a messenger that came to say, to share the news, to announce, to proclaim, your journey is about to start. But again, it was a painful journey. I remember when Michelle was pregnant with Joe, and uh, we her warts broke, and we we ended up driving into uh, 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 the hospital in, in um, Bristol. Bristol's quite notorious for potholes, and and I managed to find every single one on the way, apparently. And and the pain and agony on her face is something I won't forget. Um, but what about Mary on a donkey? It's not probably a high-end donkey. This is probably just your normal, everyday donkey plodding along. This is not, this is not comfortable. This is a painful journey. And let's not think that the pain stops there. I, I love the um, BBC adaptation, which was about six years ago now, I think, of, of the uh, nativity. They embellish something, and, and there's an amazing uh, theologian called Paula Goodyear. If you ever get to hear Paula Goodyear, she's amazing. And recently she spoke about, actually, God gives us imagination sometimes to fill in the gaps uh, that are there in the story. That doesn't mean we're making stuff up, but we need to use our imagination. And one of the ways the BBC did it was when Mary and Joseph have travelled on that donkey, and Mary probably in pain, ready to give birth, Joseph doesn't just straight away not start knocking the doors of random inns. He knocks on family. He knocks on the door of family. And they open the door and say, Joseph, it's wonderful to see you. And then they see Mary pregnant, out of wedlock. Well, Joseph, you can stay. She can't. Can you imagine going from family to family? No. See, this is a journey from Mary and Joseph to normal life to a life of shame, 
We now think, oh, Mary, wasn't she wonderful? Joseph, weren't they lucky to be chosen by God? But think of the shame it brought them. The rejection. They journeyed all this way to Bethlehem and they were rejected. And the only place they could find was where the animals slept. That's not a glorious journey. That's a painful journey. They had to give up family. Family rejected them. And yet, they chose God's calling. But what about us? Well, our journey of Advent starts today. But I wonder what about your journey of faith? When you look back, what's that journey that you're on? What does that look like today? And I suppose the challenge I want to ask us is, is is it a journey or is it a destination? Are we journeying with our faith, growing and understanding God more and more in our lives? Or do we think we've made it, we've got there, we're done and dusted, and that's it, and I'm happy, thank you very much. Can I just say, if it's the second one, we need to have a little chat at some stage. Because actually, the journey of faith is exactly that, it's a journey. (coughs) We are never going to get there. We are never going to understand everything fully because we worship an amazing God whose depth and love is deeper than we can ever understand. And so we are called to continually journey along this road. And it's going to be painful. And it's going to be difficult. And we're not going to understand everything. And there will be times in this journey when we feel shame, when we feel pain, but there will be times when we feel glory, wonder and majesty. But I want to challenge us with that line that we were saying earlier about the darkness. The darkness in our life wants to tell us that our faith is ordinary, that it follows a pattern, that we come to church, we sing some songs, we pray, we go home again, we do our Bible readings through the week, we meet people in the week, and then we just go on this continual cycle. That's what darkness wants to tell us. But light is saying we worship a God who is extraordinary. That actually, in the monotony, monotony, the the normalness of life, I can't say that word, the normalness of life, amazing things happen. Amazing things like God comes from heaven to earth. Amazing things like God chooses a young girl to be the bearer of, of, of Jesus. Amazing things can happen. This is the God we worship. Not a God who is confined by darkness, but a God who shines light into those situations. What about the messenger in our life? The people who come alongside us and help us to see what God is doing, where God is. I love the Baptist way of doing things for many, many reasons. But one of them is our call to... um, to Baptist ministry, uh, and Jeff will know this as well, I didn't just roll up to Baptist house one day and go, hello, I'd like to be a minister, can I fill in the forms, please? Other people recognised something that they believed in me, before I even contemplated it. Other people had to affirm that. Other people had to say, yes, we recognise. Other people hadn't had to finally say, um, we, we recognise. And I know other traditions do this as well. But it's about people 
around that recognize, that help us journey, that help us understand what God is doing in our lives. I'm reading a book at the moment, um, and, it's, uh, and someone picked it up the other day and looked at me and said, you're never going to read this. Um, it's 780 pages long, and it is the, um, the, it's the original Thomas Mallory writing of the legends of Arthur, the death of Arthur, and it's written in Old English. You've got to read every sentence about three times to work it out. And, and I'm happy to have a boring conversation with you sometime because I, 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 I'm trying to explore the link between the, the, the legend of Arthur and actually was it England kind of saying we want our own messianic figure and all that kind of stuff. And someone said to me once, but where does Merlin come into it? And I thought, well, that's a very good question, actually, with all his magic and everything like that. If you read the original Arthur, actually, Merlin isn't magical. He's actually a prophet. He's one who proclaims the coming of the future king. He's the one who walks alongside Arthur and says, this is what's happening. And I want to ask, who are your Merlins in your life? The people who walk alongside you and say, this is what God's doing in your life. Actually, this is where God is working. Wow, have you seen how God has blessed you? Have you seen God? Those, where are those people in our lives? And that's why we bang on so much about small groups in our church, because actually that's the place we can do it. That's the place we can gather together and say, what is God doing in your life? And so those are three journeys that each going to take this Advent. We're going to think about our own journey, God's journey, and the journey of Mary and Joseph. But I want to challenge us this Advent to reflect. To reflect on where God has been in our life. But as we go through Advent, where is God going to be this Advent for you? Where is Emmanuel, God with us, going to really strike you as we go through this journey? Reflect on what Advent, Emmanuel, what Advent means to you. How does it sustain you, this waiting, this longing? Christmas seems to have been such a long that we seem to have, a boy started asking about two months ago, When's Christmas going to be? Oh, for goodness sake. What happens in the waiting, the anticipation, the longing? And what does God with us change this Advent? What are the places we see in our life in which God is making a difference? God is changing something. And maybe after Christmas we can look back and say, in that waiting and in that anticipation, God spoke. In that waiting anticipation, I saw Emmanuel, God with us. But don't let the darkness get in the way. Don't let the darkness tell you that actually only the ordinary can happen because we believe in a God who is extraordinary and who wants us to journey this Advent. I just want to leave you with a poem that someone I found on Facebook this morning that someone I know from old wrote, and it says this. Christmas turns up about now. Screams to a halt. Tire rubber in the road. Look at me! Advent walked here, carefully holding a candle. Christmas bears its soul about now. Make me happy with food, with fragrance and with fashion. Buy me! Advent cradles its light from the breeze. Christmas accessories, everything about now. You need two of these, extra glitter and ribbon, box me.
But Advent speaks of a truth beyond packaging. May we journey this Advent and seeing what God is ready to say to us. Amen.